Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to part two with Laura Feluga, the granddaughter of Livio Feluga, the man who put Friulian viticulture back on the map. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's, please go back. You're going to hear about the history of this winery, but also the wine region. And you're going to have your emotions evoked, as Laura describes beautifully, the land, the area, the views. This episode, we're going to be going deeper into the specific wine grapes that grow in Friulia, Venezia, Giulia. And we're also going to be talking about the misunderstood quality and style of Pinot Grigio, or Pinot Gris, as you may know it from other regions. Quickly, I just want to remind you again that there is an opportunity to vote for this podcast. So please find the link in my show notes or just go to www.podcastawards.com. This is for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And whilst you have lots of categories to choose from, You can vote for other podcasts there too. I am personally in the arts category. So just find Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat and click Save Nomination. That's it. Voting is just for this month. So July 2022. I only ask you to be so kind as to take a few minutes out to vote as this kind of support is going to help keep the podcast running in the future. So thank you to those of you who can go and vote. Now pour yourself a glass and relax and let's go across to Laura so she can teach us about Ribolla Gialla, Friolano and of course all the rest. Can we talk about Friolano, the grape variety, its flavours, its aromas? What should people expect if they pick up a bottle of Friolano? What does it give to the wine? Yes, absolutely. So this is what I think it's one of the most difficult things to speak about this this grape varietal because it's really eclectic, it's most of them, but especially Tokai. If you think about tasting, you have tasted these three wines, our single single varietal Friulano, our Terre Alte and our Abbazia di, di Rosazzo. Their prof, aromatic profile is basically drawn by Friulano, yet how mm-hmm. different these wines are. Um, if I had to generally speak about Friulano, I would say it's the most traditional varietal we have in Friuli Venezia Giulia. Mm-hmm. It was formerly called Tokai, but when Hungary came in the European Union, there was a confusion around this term. To us, Tokai Friulano is spelled T-O-C-A-I, and it's the name of the grape. Yes. To them, in Hungary, Tokai uh, is spelled T-O-K-A-J-Y, and it's a geographical area where, where they do produce some lovely dessert wine based on grapes that are called furmint uh, and other grapes, mm-hmm. which I cannot mm-hmm. pronounce properly, so I won't. <laughs> I so to us, it's a dried grape. It's a grape variety that we use to produce these beautifully dry wines, basically dry mm-hmm. wines, um, that are very, I would say, uh, fruit forward. Uh, it's a grape that, you know, get ripens in the hills of Friuli after Sauvignon and Pinot Grigio. Okay. Uh, it's a grape that it's, we must 
be very, very careful in picking if we want to maintain this nice, mineralist, fresh side because the acidity drops very, very quickly in the vineyard. Ah, okay. Also, uh, it's very, depending on when you pick it, it can really vary the style in which you produce it, I would say. And this is very much up to the winemakers and the different plots. To us, we like to keep it fruity, but also very fresh. We like to keep it very elegant and, and tense, uh, yet... Uh, Thanks to the, the richness of the aromas and the minerality, it's still a very mm -hmm. complex wine. Traditionally, we say that Tokai as a grape has a kind of a long uh, almond aftertaste. Ah, I got that in the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and the, this allows it to be a very versatile, most of those are, but also Friulana is a very versatile varietal. In fact, in the tradition of Friuli, when you go on an osteria, which is the typical you know wine bar in the area mm -hmm. it's a uh, very much related to the rural tradition and you would ask for simply a glass of white wine you would ask a Thai which is a shortened version of Tokai of white and they will <laughs> automatically give you a glass of Friulano and it's usually okay. paired with the charcuterie we have that is very traditional in, in our region like prosciutto di San Daniele and all of the cheeses uh, that we we have in the rural tradition of the hills and of the you know rural Friuli. Is your cheese typically a harder cheese, or do you do fresher cheese? Even then, it's very difficult to generalize because you okay. uh, you go up to the mountains and they have very different type of cheeses, and you drive mm -hmm. twenty kilometers away, and then it's every everything is very much based on the Venetian tradition and cuisine. So it's very very eclectic we have both honestly on the hills we kind of collect all of these influences uh, but it's generally the traditional cuisine from the hills is very it's poor it's more um, the cuisine that used to be uh, the agricultural cuisine so we have dishes like pasta with beans or the charcuterie because mm -hmm. there's uh, with the salami cheeses that are simple Simple cheeses like the Latteria from Cividale. But also, for example, we have some blue cheese that we have with Piccolit, which is our dessert wine. So mm -hmm. cheese and charcuterie, charcuterie are always been part of the of the tradition of the hills. But going back to Friulano, so I was saying that that's it basically. So it's a very eclectic varietal that we traditionally grow, vinified dry, and it's a very fruit forward, very eclectic, depending on the age of the vines. We are also very lucky to have very, very old vines, vineyards of Friulano that really built in, like we try to expand the range of what a generic Friulano could mean because mm -hmm. we, we are kind of collectors of vineyards of Friulano and so we provide so many different identities of the same varietal. I'm tasting right now the Friulano single vineyard 2021 and oh my gosh, as well for the price point because Obviously, in part one, we were tasting the Terra Alta. Of course, it's insanely good. But this wine retails, you can get... I've seen Peter Schimseller, they're selling the 2020 vintage for £27. So just under £30. And the elegance and the minerality for me that comes through. So on the nose, I get this like chalky, almost slightly flinty or white pepper note. But there's lovely like melon coming in, giving freshness and... It stays very clean and pure, but there's this beautiful load of like white flowers, a real blossom edge to it. And then the palette, I'm surprised though, because it smells so clean and pure, but the body behind it is actually really full. Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Very full body, but 
you've got this lovely, nice, like a creamy, slight brioche note. Yeah. A little bit. You say almonds. I'm getting maybe more hazelnut in, in, this, in this specific wine. But beautiful freshness. It's quite directional rather than it feeling rounded in my mouth, even though this is full bodied and slightly creamy. It's really clean and directional. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And I haven't had this wine ever before. So I'm really enjoying this one. Mm. I think you describe it beautifully. One oh, thing also you. that I like, sometimes I are misleading. You're right. In the nose, it's this like fresh citrusy aromas, like yes. bergamot, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very fresh. And then when you sip it, it's kind of, it's very dry, but still sweeter in the notes, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the fruits are more ripe. Uh, the feeling is fuller. And this we achieve by, even though the single varietals are vinified in neutral uh, vessels, mm -hmm. mainly stainless steel and some ceramics, um, we do try to keep the wines over the lees as long as we can. And this mm -hmm. really contributes to those aromas you were describing of, you know, brioche and to mm -hmm. the, um, you know, making definitely a fuller body wines. Also, the single varietals are quite prone to aging. Mm -hmm. We also try to, to, you know, change this perception of white wines to be drunk in a hurry uh, over their season. Sure. Because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when some... These varietals, and I also will speak about Pinot Grigio, if are not overly produced, uh, if the vineyards are a little bit older in their age, uh, if it's not mass produced, and it really starts speaking about the territory, then these wines can really benefit from a couple of years in the bottle that will allow them to integrate the minerality and you know uh, develop, start developing some of the mineral aromas that will mm -hmm. contribute to the complexity. These wines are also because of the minerality and the you know the richness in the aromas and you were, and you, as you were saying the full bodies and the creaminess that yeah. they have and this is true also for Pinot Grigio that we'll taste later on are very, very easy to pair. So we mentioned they're very eclectic. We mentioned the traditional cuisine of the hills. But of mm -hmm. course, in Friuli, we also have the coastal cuisine where there's a lot of, you know, fish dishes that are part of our tradition. But I lived everywhere in the world. And I can tell you, with, with Chinese cuisine, Japanese cuisine, Thai mm -hmm. cuisine, anything spicy, we also try to reverse the rules and try to invite to try to drink these wines not only with fish dishes but also to white with white meats and mm -hmm. charred. Uh, these are very very eclectic, and we really invite you to have fun with them. I think as well there is that slight herbaceousness on the palate, and with that, of course, when you start thinking about cuisine and foods, and especially all of the different spices and herbs you get with Asian food, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. I can totally understand how that would go. And beautiful, fresh acidity going on with that texture. So, you know, I think people would um, have a lot of fun with this wine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I want to touch on Pinot Grigio. So yes. I've got a Pinot Grigio in front of me. Uh, 2021 as well. Yeah, 2021. And, you know, Pinot Grigio often, certainly in the UK, I don't know how it is seen in Italy, but it's like, oh, Pinot Grigio, this is your knockback wine. We buy it for £5 a bottle and it's uh, not that acidic. It's a little bit watery. It's a little bit citrusy. Meh, yeah, whatever. It's just literally, you know, the easy, simple drinking wine. And then when people want something more complex, they look for typically something like Pinot Gris on the label. They might go to Alsace and it gets more honeyed and it gets more rich and it gets more weighty. 
But that's not fair to Italy and it's certainly not fair to you guys because there's some fantastic examples of Pinot Grigio coming out of the northeast of Italy. But can you just talk to me about your feelings on that, of what I've just said, <laughs> and maybe how the Italians see this whole Pinot Grigio, Pinot Cree issue? Absolutely. So I would say this has been one of my battles since <laughs> I started working for the family, also because I've been also very much traveling in the US, in some of the foreign markets where Pinot Grigio really became super trendy. And after it became super trendy, of course, this also triggered uh, some mass production uh, of this mm -hmm. grape that are more generic coming from the Northeast of Italy, but they don't really give a sense of place. They're more commercial. And, and this really uh, created a reputation for this uh, grape varietal, which is not totally fair and true. While some yes. of these wines are like you describe them, this is not true for the grape itself. So first I'll take a step back and I would like to speak about the difference between Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris. Mm -hmm. Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris are essentially the same grape, but Pinot Gris uh, evokes uh, the, tra the French tradition and the style of Alsatia, where they usually produce wines that are sweeter, some of them are off dry, whereas Pinot Grigio in the tradition of the northeast of Italy that I think that starts with my grandfather, <laughs> so <laughs> before uh, the trend of Pinot Grigio exploded, it's more of a dry wine, it's a drier yes. wine. Pinot Grigio is actually a very noble grape varietal that belongs to a very noble family of varietals and it's a wine that when you see it in the in the vineyards, it's actually, it's called Pinot Gris because it's actually gray in its skins. And, mm -hmm. uh, and this is why some of the Pinot Grigio with the longer contact with the skin become pink. And even the ones that do not have a large contact with the skins, as the one we you are drink, you are tasting now, yeah. if you compare it with the, the Friulano, you will still find a, a little hint. Pink, a really tiny, pink tinge you know even though it is a pale lemon color yeah yeah exactly absolutely. so you will mm -hmm. easily be able to recognize it even even though it wouldn't have it didn't have a long contact with the skins so it's a very noble varietal very uh, traditional to the hills of Friuli Venezia Giulia my grandfather was really bet on this varietal very early on in the 50s when it started um, producing our wines and so we're lucky to have been knowing getting to knowing this varietal through the decades we also believe that these uh, vineyards are worth sustaining and maintaining so we have you know with older vines brings greater complexity and really allows the potential of the grape to unlock. Mm -hmm. Also the fact of course being grown on a hillside land uh, that is not very very fertile helps bringing uh, you know evoking and bringing out the potential of this grape varietal that he's a little compared to Frulano I would say it's fuller in its aromas. It's more it's still a very dry mineral savory wine with a very long finish but a little bit more fuller and, and ripened than Friulano in its aromas, the way we produce it. I don't know if you would agree. 
this is definitely um, yeah I'm just tasting it right now there's it's a it's really full-bodied in comparison to what people would expect from Pinot Grigio but I like the there's a slight subtleness on the nose creamy mm-hmm. slight again flinty again I guess it's mm-hmm. you know this minerality that may, from the punka from the punka soils um and a slight yeah. even white pepper note I need to go back to the to the Friolano because I kind of got a flinty white pepper note on that so I, I need to definitely spend some more time with them but there is this this elegance, but I'm uh, the body and the weight and the slight creaminess. It's very very beautiful. Yeah, mm. even slightly just just slightly honeyed, but completely dry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you know, um, we are on the border with Austria. I'd like to make a comparison also of, of for Pinot Grigio, as I was mentioning for Frilano. These even the single varietal white varietals, which are a translation of our territory into the glass, so we try to keep them as pure as possible in their characteristic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we keep them on the leaves to allow them this, you know, to build creaminess and and, uh, and complexity. And then this is why also they are they very well react to. Uh, bottle aging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bottle aging for Pinot Grigio brings an integration of the flavors, and especially for Pinot Grigio, you really get an addition of layers of minerality that goes from being more flinty to becoming more um, oily. I would say. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you know, some of mm-hmm. those older Rieslings from Austria, the dry Rieslings. Yes, absolutely. Can mm-hmm. really, really. It gets that kind of oily minerality and, and and aromas that really could remind of some older Rieslings, but then go and then you will get that hint of Friulian minerality, and you will know you're not in Austria. So it's very very charming, and I would suggest you know keep a bottle for even five, six, eight years, and mm-hmm. so you can see how this this grape behaves over time, and it's very very charming. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely delicious. And I think it's absolutely anything away from what people might think as a Pinot Grigio. And in fact, for me, I get much more of this yellow apple and this peachiness, um, not uh, a little bit of lemon and fresh and light and knockback. It's it's not like anything that certainly we would expect um, as a Pinot Grigio in the UK. But at the same time, this is about 26, 27 pounds. You can get the 2020 vintage at thedrinkshop.com. So the point is, you are going to expect with that lees aging, with the quality, I'm sure with much lower yields, everything that you're doing with this wine, the intensity, the elegance, the power of the fruit behind it is is very, very different to what people expect from Pinot Grigio. So they should definitely, I think anyone who is into texture is going to love this wine. The Pinot Grigio, both actually, the Friolano and the Pinot Grigio, because the textures amongst them both were were beautiful. Mm. Thank you, Yanina. Now, how does Pinot Grigio and Friolano compare to Ribolla Gialla? So Ribolla Gialla is also one of your main white grape varieties that grows in this region. Um, And obviously you do produce and you put in some of your blends as well. Could you just just let everyone know so they understand the the grape varieties of the region, what they should expect from that? So I have to say Ribolla Gialla, from what I know, um, you remember, I was mentioning how we have these two DOCs, the Friuli Collio Orientale and the Collio. In the latest years, it became very much, you know, connected to the Collio and some of the producers in the Collio that do macerated and produce mm-hmm. orange wines. So, uh, but Ribolla Gialla is actually more ancient than that. It's very much related also to the Friuli Collio Orientale. Okay. And on, as a grape varietal, it's actually a grape that is quite simple. 
Okay. It's not one of the grapes we grow the most over the over our estate. That mm-hmm. we we have a, a bit of a little addition of it in the Abbazia di Rosazzo. We produce a small small batch, uh, which I'm I'm not sure if we have in the U.S. Uh, as a single varietal. Um, it's more of a simple varietal, very citrusy, very fresh, and uh, and so very very prone after vinification to become a very pleasant, uh, easy wine to be appreciated with more of the, you know, coastal dishes and seaside dishes. Mm-hmm. So this is Ribola Gialla. It's very, very much linked in the in the tradition of the region. It's one of, uh, with Friulano, one of the autochthonous varietals. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I would say, very easy grape, very easy okay. wine. And then, and then the other one, Picolit. And I Picolite. love Picolit because although it's typically sweet wine, it can be used in blends, can't it? And am I right in thinking, because I remember drinking an Italian blend once that had some Picolit and it just it gives this peachy, little bit more aromatics to it, right? Am I right? So, Ala, Picolit, it's, oh my goodness, it's one also iconic. It's really made <laughs> for the glory. Um, uh-huh. It's also wine, so it could remind if for people that are wine lovers in the in the uk and you have a really great connection with french wine yes it's our version of sauterne but we don't okay. have we, mm-hmm. but we only sometimes it happens to have noble rot but mm-hmm. uh, is this beautiful dessert wine that is yep. very um it's sweet in the aromas and the nose but then it the acidity and the minerality kicks in, and so there's this beautiful balance between these two elements. Um, it's a grape that piccolit means piccolo means small, so it's a grape okay. that for its um, only grows few grapes on the bunch, but that are very very high in concentration. We do a very late harvest. Sometimes we we harvest in October, sometimes even in mm-hmm. November, and we do select the bunches with the fewer grapes so it's really something special on the aromatic profile when it's younger the picolite it really gets its um dry notes of dry fruit uh apricot fig but also candies and this like zesty touch that really Mm. um, yummy takes you back to the acidity of the wine and never makes it too sweet let me let's make this term yeah um and also when it gets older you know those nutty flavor like some heavier nutty flavors yeah layer up Mm -hmm. making it a very very intriguing wine the term meditation wine was was created for picolite oh really Uh, it's really a wine that could be enough it to be you know, experience on his own because okay, yeah. but even more with Picolite, it really keeps on changing in your glass. It's a wine yeah. that never, not only in the bottle with bottle aging, but also in the glass. So it's an experience that is always new that keeps on renovating yeah, and yeah, changing, yeah. very dynamic. Um, and also when it comes to pairing, I don't know, alone, it's my favorite pairing, but um, we we at home we tend to prefer pairing it with you know aged cheeses like blue okay. cheeses. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the contrast between the salty and the, the sweet, this, yeah, provides a very very exquisite experience. Interesting, very very nice. Yeah. I need to get myself some piquelet. Now I want to finish off with one red grape variety that's local to the area for people to know about, and that's Refosco. But actually, specifically Refosco del. Peduncolo Rosso, am I pronouncing that right? 
<laughs> was that a terrible attempt? No, absolutely, it's perfect. Best than okay. most of the ones I've, I've experienced. Oh, okay, you too kind. <laughs> Could we talk about because because there's Rafosco has there's different types of Rafosco, isn't there specifically? And the majority you're going to find in um, Fiuli are Rafosco del Peduncolo Rosso. I have to tell you, I don't know about this diverse uh, Rafosco. Maybe you yeah, know but, more. What did you okay. know about you? There's different areas. Like, did you know from of Rafosco's I, not grown in Fiuli? No, I've heard that there is just like, I don't, I guess it's slight mutations or slightly different clones and that there are oh, different but refoscos, but this is absolutely. the one that is specific to you guys. Okay, so uh, refoscos, but this is, I want to mention that one thing, this is true for all of the varietals that we grow. In mm-hmm. fact, like we grow different kinds of the same varietals really contributes to its one part, part of the missions and really contributes to the complexity of the wines. The peduncolo is nothing but the wood part of the of the bunch, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And this it slightly gets some rather hues when ah uh, yes, when... like the trunk goes, the trunk and the cane yeah. goes just a little bit more red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, That's okay. the origin of the name. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. It is also one of the most traditional. So, the, in general terms, the region is mostly known as one of the best regions for white wines but the the red wine tradition is very uh, much existing and so mm-hmm. uh, Merlot that was brought by Napoleon uh, was one of the most grown red varietals and has a, developed a very specific identity in Fiorimenza Giulia as well with Refosco. Refosco is more, uh, it has these big bunches with a, how do you call it, a, a big wing? The, the the grape span, you mean the top, it's yeah. really big. Yeah. The, the bunch itself is really big at the top. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's a more, uh, you know, where Merlot and Fruli is a little bit more fruity and fleshy, uh, fleshy contribution to the wine. So Refosco gives structure. It's deeper in the aromas. It's a little bit more austere. Mm-hmm. And it has a very peculiar tonicity that really, really characterizes the grapes. Sometimes we do green harvests yeah. to help him uh, go through the maturation process. Yeah. And uh, yes, it's a very intriguing red wine. But in general terms, I would say whites from the region are outstanding and reds from the region are surprising because they okay. are very special, very unexpected. So I would definitely invite you to taste the Refosco. Delicious. Perfect. Mm-hmm. How many wines are you guys making in the portfolio? How many do we have to work our way through? So when you come to the winery, you would be able to taste 19 of them. 19. In, yes. 19 between single varietals and blends mm-hmm. and single vineyards of the single varietals. So of we, course. Keep on, we keep on making a research. We keep on, uh, you know, and try to understand the, the property better. In the UK, currently you can find the Pinot Grigio single varietal, the Friulano single varietal, the Sauvignon single varietal, mm-hmm. of course the Realte, mm-hmm. and also Il Livio. Il Livio yeah. that was a, um, a wine, Il Livio means the Livio, and was a wine that was gifted to my grandfather when he turned 85 by his children. Love it. So it's what kind of the wine that represents the family the most among the the portfolio and it's mm-hmm. um, based on Chardonnay, Pinot Bianco with a touch of Picolite that it's really Yay, the, there you go. You know, it's really, it, it, like it makes it a gift. It really wraps, uh-huh. wraps uh-huh. the blend, mm-hmm. wraps the blend for him. And it's, there's a, it's the only one with, 
with that we produce with a little bit more of a new oak yeah in the, okay. in the unification yes mm, okay a little bit of power behind that one amazing and mm-hmm. um, Laura thank you so much for just taking us on a journey for people to understand this region a little bit more and certainly the iconic incredible special wines that are made at Livio Feluga so thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you Janina thank you all for the attention and please visit us soon Oh, yes. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm getting the plane right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. So that is it for part two with Laura Feluga. I think she did an amazing job painting the picture and what it's like to be in the northeast of Italy, the views, the terroir, the grapes. It's been a really long time since I have had any picolit and Laura has spiked my interest again here. So for those of you feeling exactly the same way and wanting to explore that grape variety further, there is a DOCG, Colli Orientali del Friuli Picolit. Wine from this DOCG will be sweet and it's made in the Pasito method, so air dried before vinification, either on the vine, in straw baskets or on shelves in rooms that are dedicated to the drying of grapes. Livio Feluga does a sweet picolit. So if you're ever going to visit them, you know exactly what wine needs to be bought and packed in your suitcase to eradicate those holiday blues when you are back. So I have another Italian proverb to finish off this episode. And of course, with my attempted Italian, it says, Duveregna il vino reina il silencio which means where wine reigns, silence does not reign. This is all about the typical Italian meal. Good wine is always present and it creates the perfect atmosphere and energy when shared with friends and family. Hence, a lot of noise is made when people are having fun. So that is it for today. Can I remind you to pop across to the People's Choice Podcast Awards and vote for me in the arts section if you haven't already. Give this podcast a like. Don't forget to subscribe and do share the podcast with your wine loving friends. If you have a moment to leave me a comment or a review, especially with Apple Podcasts, it does make the podcast more discoverable. So next week, I'm going to be taking you back out into the vineyards for part two of viticulture so you can learn a bit more about those decisions that are made to grow that perfect vine and produce even more perfect grapes. So to all of you this week, may you drink well, seize those opportunities for success and until next Monday, cheers to you.